Welcome to the Don't Stop Me Now podcast. I am your host, Jennifer Vaughn. My guest today is Chris from Brazil. Brazil, that's how I wanted to say that. Chris reached out to me after she was diagnosed and saw my YouTube video. I would say that was within months of me putting out my video in 2016. And I remember that she was taking her diagnosis quite well, and it was very refreshing. She was one of my first 15 women who reached out to me, and I know they always say to me, I found you and you made me feel normal, but my gosh, every single one of them that found me made me feel normal. Chris's story is powerful. It truly speaks to her character and how it is very possible to have this virus and live an extremely normal life. All right, without further delay, I present to you, Miss Chris. Hello. You can hear me? Yes, I can. How are you? I'm doing well. Chris, I've never heard your voice. Yeah, that's right. I think I heard, I don't know, I, I see your videos all the time. I know your voice. Oh my gosh, it's so, so different to hear your voice. I mean, I've seen your pictures for, I don't know, four years, but I, I've never heard your, your accent. That's my accent that I'm going to start apologizing for my broken English, but oh. I think I can do it. No worries. It's already perfect. Are you kidding? No, you're totally fine. You're totally fine. So yeah, I have to tell you a funny story and I, I don't know why I've done this, but I, for some reason, put you in Spain. I keep thinking you're from Spain. So when, when I was figuring out the time difference and you said it was four hours, I'm like, Oh, no, no, it's much longer than that. Like Spain's a lot further away. Oh, no, you're in Brazil. And the four hours makes a lot of sense. I'm like, I don't know why I cannot figure out that uh, you're just down below me. And I remember doing this when you were in San Diego. It's like you're just further south, basically, and a little and a little east. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And the time difference is usually five hours. And I totally forgot we don't have like... Uh... light savings time this year but you normally do we used to but now we have an asshole president that to cancel it (laughs) and we're we're actually celebrating biden's victory because we believe uh, we might go through the same path because brazil is like going really bad with our president he's just like a big trump's fan but he can be like much worse you have no idea Uh, what is the name of your president Bolsonaro. I don't know that I know that name. Okay. And how long has he been in office for? Two years. We have two more, but I don't know if he's going to get to finish. Everybody hates him so much. Oh, wow. So similar thing happening in Brazil. Well, welcome to my podcast. I'm so excited to have you on here. I'm like, this has been great. I've asked many people and everybody's just saying yes. And um, I didn't know how comfortable everybody would be able to you know, coming on here, it's pretty anonymous. And you said it was fine to use your first name, which is Chris. Okay, so we connected on YouTube, like from almost the very beginning, you were definitely one of the first 15 women that reached out to me. And it was again, like every single one of you was such a shock, because I could see your pictures, I think, mostly, you know, I you guys connected with me through YouTube or through Facebook. And then I would see your picture. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not what people think of when they think of HIV. Like these women are beautiful and you were one of them. Yeah, and speaking about the pictures, it was a relief to me when I started seeing all these women too. Like, okay, there are normal people just like me. They have the same problems. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very comforting to know that it isn't this, what they kind of make you feel in the media, that it's all homeless women, people with drug problems. It's like we were just normal women living normal lives and this came into our life. So yeah, it was not anything I had expected. I honestly, I didn't think I'd find one woman when I put the video out. I'm like, I have no idea. Are there any women out there with HIV? Like, I didn't even know. I honestly had no clue. And then they just kind of slowly started coming through. Yeah. So you You've, you saw my video, I guess, right? Yes. It was really hard to find women in the same situation. I found a lot of gay people and male, and I couldn't find any women. So when I found you, I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> someone just like me. It was awesome. Let me tell you my story, how it all happened. Like, mm-hmm. I had no idea, no clue that I could have HIV. I started dating my husband. And we were dating for like two months, super in love. 
uh, I was like happier than ever in my life. But every time, like after we have sex, not during the sex, sex was perfect. Mm-hmm. But after sex, I used, uh, would feel like a lot of pain and it was getting worse every time. And I was really hurt from the inside, but I didn't know why, because I didn't feel any pain like during sex or anything. So I went to the doctor and he saw me and he's like, no, you're really bad. You might have syphilis or something like that. And he he even asked me like, do you know this person who you're going out with? And I was like, what's the difference? Like, mm-hmm. and he's like, you might have syphilis or even HIV. And he was like kind of mad when he said that. And he asked me for the, the, the labs. Mm-hmm. And when I went like to, to take the labs, I, I, I didn't have insurance by the time. And I remember getting to the place and seeing the prices of the labs and HIV was very expensive. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I may not take this HIV test. And then I don't know why I remember something I had that I paid for a medical institution that gave me discounts for things. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, no, I have this thing. So I got it a little cheaper. And thank God I did because I wasn't going to take the test. I took the test and I went with my best friend to a desert island in Bahia in northeast of Brazil and it's a place that has like no cars uh, nothing it's you have to take a little boat to cross a river to get there it's like a very far away place mm-hmm. and we went there for a week and we were there like drinking and celebrating and I don't know why I decided to check the, the labs on my cell phone oh, what a crazy thing I was in the middle of nowhere when I checked it it was positive and I was like oh my god no it's not possible and then I thought we're like look look here it's like what's that I'm positive like how come and then it was so crazy because I was in a dark place it was winter time so there wasn't many people around it was insane and I start like thinking like oh my god what am I gonna do what's gonna happen with my relationship with my life like I had a clear idea that people didn't die from HIV anymore that's all I knew but thank god I have so many like you have no idea how many gay friends I have I have lots and then I was like going crazy and thinking what to do and I I remember that like weeks before, I was talking to a friend, a gay friend, about HIV. And I remember he had information. He had just taken a test. I didn't know why. So I called him. Like he's a very good friend of mine. I said, well, listen, I have something crazy to tell you. You have to promise you're not going to tell anyone. But I took this test and my results were positive. And he was like, oh, my God. Okay, sit down calm down I'm gonna tell you a story I have a very close friend a guy that I knew I know that he's positive do you believe that he's positive and he's a very strong guy he's fine he's been positive for over 10 years he's happy and then I told, and then I told him but I'm super happy with my boyfriend by the time mm-hmm. and I want to have kids and I want to be happy he's like calm down you will you will be happy you Everything's going to happen as you plan. Give me five minutes and I'm going to have him calling you. So I had like a very quick time and I was in touch already with someone that was HIV positive. And this guy calmed me down and told me his story and said, come, and gave me his doctor's phone number, call her, send her your, your exams, set an appointment and calm down, you're going to be fine. So I, I talked to the doctor and she's like, and I, I had like a hope that it was like a false positive or something. Of course. And then I sent, I sent her the exams, but, but the labs, when you are positive, they already did like the second one. So they, they already checked and I was positive for sure. But mm. it was a crazy thing because no one called me or came after me. Like I saw it by myself mm-hmm. on my phone. It was and crazy. I, I felt so lonely. So you ordered the test like as if you went in and just said, I want to order this test on your own without a doctor. Is that why? No, no, no. no. I had I had a doctor, a doctor that ordered the test. But when they told me the results, like I check on my phone, the results. No one called me or like, because here in Brazil, they, they give you directly the, the, the results. They don't give it to your doctor. That's the difference. Maybe. Oh. Okay, so you had the results through the phone before your doctor ever had the results? 
Yes. Oh my, why do they do it that way? I never heard of that. Well, I've always heard, and I, I actually asked the other day I went to this lab, like if they didn't have to have a person calling me before and calling me there, like, hey, listen, you have something. Because I could be like a crazy, crazy person. I could have killed myself. I don't know. Like, mm -hmm. it's not something easy to hear, like if you're alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then it's up to you to take the proper steps after if you find out you're positive. Yeah. And then yes. can tell your doctor and then move on from there. I, I spent like another five or six days in this place going crazy because I couldn't tell anyone and I couldn't do anything. I had to take a boat, drive two hours, take a plane that I had already paid for to mm. come home. And mm. my boyfriend by the time was going to pick me up at the airport. And I had this bomb to give to him. He picked me up. We, we were driving home. We decided to stop by to get some food. And he was like, do you want to eat at home? We want to eat in the restaurant. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't know. Let's just eat at the restaurant. And then we ordered the food. And I told him, like, well, by these days, I was, like, really searching everything I could about it. So I had all the information when I got back. And then I told him, like, listen, I have something really hard to tell you. I wanted to know. The first thing, I'm not going to die. I took the HIV test and I'm positive. And I want you to feel free, like, to be with me or not. Do whatever you decide to do. I'm going to totally understand if you decide to dump me. But I had to tell you and you have to take tests. And he was like, oh, my God, <laughs> no, let's go home. And he came home and he was like the nicest person ever. He hugged me and said, I'm with you no matter what. Mm. Calm down. I'm, I'm going to take my test. And if I'm positive, it's fine. Like, I don't even want to know if I gave it to you or if you gave it to me. Like, we're not going to talk about this so calm it was impressive every time I get mad at him I remember that day and I go like okay no he was so nice <laughs> I'm not gonna be a bitch about it right <laughs> yeah. and so it took a few days like so we could uh, oh well no then we went to the doctor to this doctor that I called and she explained him everything about it everything that I had already explained but she explained as a doctor saying that I I would take the medicine, become detectable. I wasn't going to transmit if he was negative. And we could have babies if we want. And I would have just a normal life. So then a few days later, he took the test and he was negative. And you guys then had been together for a couple months? It was like a very short time. I was, mm -hmm. I freaked out when I found out. So then it was... Uh, he was negative too. And I was like working all that in my head. And two weeks later was my birthday. And he asked me, like, what do you want for your birthday? And I was feeling so bad. I told him, I just want you to take me out of here. Let's do something. Let's take like a sabbatical year, go live somewhere else. I have to work it on my head. Uh, so then we decided to go to San Diego. As you know, we lived there for a while. And then we start planning the trip. It was June and we start planning. We left in April next year. We left to San Diego. And it was so nice because then I had like nice things to think about. I wasn't working much. Like I work with events and the market here was so slow. And I was having a hard time working because everything that was going on in my mind. So then we decided to go. I sold my car. He sold his car. Uh, I rented my apartment. We saved some money. And we went to San Diego in March, in April next year. So it was 10 months, nine months after my diagnosis. Then we got there, we were so happy. We went to that festival, Coachella, and the plan was like staying from Coachella to the Burning Man. So it was six months just partying and forgetting about all these crazy things. Mm -hmm. And then we went to Coachella, and after Coachella, I started feeling bad. I had like some some stomach pain and I don't know I wasn't feeling good then I called my doctor in Brazil and she said should take like a pregnancy test I was like no you said like at my age it was hard for me to get pregnant like naturally because I was already 42 by the time Mm -hmm. And I asked her, like, if I could get pregnant. And she's like, oh, relax, go live your life. And when you come back, we're going to talk about it. Just take your time. So then I found out I was pregnant. 
And it was like the craziest and nicest thing that ever happened. My husband got like very nervous about it because it wasn't in a plan and we were planning like staying there and just partying and I didn't have like an insurance that would cover that and all those crazy things. So then we start seeing a doctor there and it was really nice because I didn't plan, but I end up uh, getting into like a, a doctor, like a treatment that was going to follow my pregnancy that they were like specialized in HIV pregnancy. Mm. So I was so lucky. Uh, they were like from UCSD. Mm-hmm. The nurse was awesome. Like she took like a great care of me. The doctor was really nice. Everything was perfect and I I didn't plan and and something that I was very worried about is like I'm not open about my my diagnosis not even my mom knows about it so I was very worried like to see doctors in my city it's like it's kind of a big city but the society is very small like everybody knows everybody and I didn't want to like tell a lot of people that I was positive so I was so lucky like feels like life planned it for me (laughs) So then we stayed there. My baby was born there and I've been like undetectable since like four months after diagnosis. C-section or um, vaginal birth? Well, it ended up being a C-section. It was planned to be a vaginal delivery, mm-hmm. but I was like already 40 weeks and three days and baby didn't like show any sign that he wanted to to come out so then doctor, doctor decided to induce but i didn't have any uh, how do you say dilate, dilatation dilation <laughs> i didn't have any so we end up have having like a, an emergency c-section because actually my baby aspired meconium so mm-hmm. he had like hard beginning he had to stay in the NICU for 29 days but like nothing right. to do with me he swallowed meconium, right? It cut off a little bit. He so he did swallow the meconium, and what was the what's the process for that again? Sorry. Yeah, he aspired meconium actually. No, he didn't. So he, uh, I mean, it was in his lungs, right? In his lungs, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm, and okay. then the thing is, like, it, I, I didn't have any liquid in my in my water anymore. Oh. Okay. So when he aspired, it was only the mechanium, and it's something very like uh, it's it's kind of hard. It wasn't dilated in water, mm-hmm. so when it went to his lungs, and he couldn't he could aspire the air, but he couldn't uh, put the air off. So he had to do like a lot of a lot of force, like to put the air off, and so he was like. He wasn't risk in life risk because if he made like a lot of force, he could tear his lungs. Yes. So they gave him uh, methadone for a few days, so he would calm down and he was in oxygen. Like they start like taking off the methadone and giving him some medicine that would take all that out of his lungs. And then when they took the methadone out, he was like. Uh, he, he missed it so much, so he was very tense. They had to give him back some part of the methadone. Then he started getting better. Then he got a fever, like a very high fever. Mm. They thought he could have some bacteria or something. Then he, they tested him. He stayed like an antibiotics for 21 days. But then he started getting better. Like do- doctors would see and tell me that he was getting better, like a little better every day. So after a week or 10 days, we were like already fine. We knew he was going to be fine, but it was a very hard time. And like till the day he left the NICU, we weren't sure if he didn't have any sequels. So we had to take all the exams from his brain, his lungs, his heart, from everything to make sure he was fine. And thank God he didn't have anything like he's just perfect. He did have to take medication, obviously, after to stop any type of transmission of HIV, right? Yes, he did. By the time, the protocol was six weeks of um, AZT, that Mm -hmm. first medicine. Is how you call right? AZT. Yeah, so that's what they still use today. Because my guest last week, Lee, who had had her son, I think in 2004, was, that's what I didn't, that's what I wondered. I wondered if you were going to tell me the same medication. So it is still AZT. Yeah, it's. They say it's it's the best one that worked better for babies. Isn't mm. it impressive? Because for adults, I remember they had like very bad side effects. Mm-hmm. 
but for, they said it's the best one for babies. So he took it for, the protocol was six weeks and then it changed right when we were in the hospital. So he took it for four weeks. Mm-hmm. It's a liquid medicine. We'd give him like in his mouth, like in a little spoon. So he took it for four weeks. So when he left the hospital, he took it for two more days. And then doctor told me I shouldn't give it to him anymore. Mm-hmm. And then he took two tests in California, both negatives. <laughs> and they asked me to take another one in Brazil. That's like the, the PCR test mm-hmm. that like uh, measures like how much virus you have or if you have virus in your body. Because if he took the antibodies test, uh, it would show positive because he had my antibodies in his body. Right. So, yeah. And then I had like a very bad situation here in Brazil because it took me a while to go take the test. Like I was so sick of all those hospital things and stuff when he was born. Mm-hmm. So I waited a little bit and like... I don't know, four months later, the doctor from the U.S. called me and asked me if I had the results because she had to fill his file there. Mm-hmm. So I went to I went to a kids clinic here to talk to an infectologist. And, but I think she's just not used to deal with HIV people. So mm-hmm. I got there and I explained the situation and I told her I had like, I need this test for the U.S. for his files. And then she told me, yeah. And then I told her, but he, uh, I already took two tests, he's negative, I was already undetectable and I, when I got pregnant, so it's just like more for a protocol. She's like, yeah, but you have to take a lot of care because it happens a lot that moms, HIV positive moms, give HIV for their babies uh, when they share spoons or when they kiss their babies. My God. And I was like, holy shit, I know it's not true, but I was with my husband and I was with my baby and I just needed that that order for the test. So I didn't want to argue with her. I said, okay, and I left. And then that's something that bothers me every single day because I keep thinking, if I wasn't informed enough, mm-hmm. I would be afraid of kissing my baby. Exactly. I would be afraid of feeding him. Like, it's insane. And I think the other day I was thinking, I'm going to write something to her. I'm going to write her an email and tell her that. Mm-hmm. Information is wrong and you could have ruined my relationship. Yeah. Like, it could have made fact. you think totally differently about yourself. Absolutely. Exactly. And the relationship, like when you have babies, you want to kiss them. You want to be close. Mm -hmm. You didn't want to be fearful of having this relationship with your brand new baby. Of course not. Of course. And thank God my husband is well informed too, because he could say like, no, stay away from the baby. You're going to infect him. So that's insane. Like I, I can't stand how doctors do that. And she's still sharing that information because she still most likely has no idea that she's wrong. You know, she's stuck in the eighties. Exactly. That's something that bothers me. And sometimes like depending on doctors, I feel so unhopeful because I think they they just don't know information. Like when I have to to disclose to some other doctor, a doctor that has nothing to do with HIV, mm-hmm. I always think they don't know anything about it. They don't know the relation be- between like HIV and what they do. It feels so, like, yeah, if I just had an experience the other day that I talked about on my channel, but yeah, I feel like they don't, they really don't know unless they're an expert and then they really don't have a lot of information on it. It's not something they deal with, on, you know, on a deep level. So unfortunately there comes a bunch of stigma with that and it goes right in through their practice. You know, they yeah, just aren't educated. That's right. It bothers me a lot, but you know what? I don't mind telling doctors anymore like I did before, like before I have my baby. Mm-hmm. Because I've been to some doctors lately, like a, a cardiologist that I'm taking some exams and a dermatologist that I'm taking some other exams. And I told them and I think they were like pretty normal about it. Like nobody, I didn't feel like stigmatized mm-hmm. for those doctors. And I think it's really nice. Did you know when you went to the doctor in San Diego uh, for the pregnancy, did they basically tell you, hey, your baby's going to be fine. Like, don't even sweat it. This is going to be normal. Because I know they told Lee that, and that was back in 2004. Yeah, no, they, to- they told me he was going to be fine. They are like specialized in HIV. They're so used to, the- to it. Mm-hmm. So like everybody that they-, they take care of is HIV positive. So they know what they're talking about. They were like really nice. Something that happens there in San Diego, uh, 
like in a clinic. I went like before I started going to the doctor, I went to a clinic. It's a public clinic, uh, ultrasound, mm-hmm. like to see the baby. And then they were like super nice to us and did the ultrasound. And then after that, I had like a conversation with the lady and she asked me like, let me just ask you something. She was like so sweet, but she asked me that. How did you do like to get pregnant if you're HIV positive and your husband isn't? Like she didn't know about you because you. Mm-hmm. And then I, th- I told her like, there are so many studies and we, we're so into it. So we know. And she was like very grateful that I told her very thankful for that but she didn't know so it's crazy i think it misses like some education for all these people that work with related things yeah for sure did you know what your viral load was at cd4 count when you were diagnosed yes my viral load was 319,000 mm. and my cd4 was 274 oh that was pretty low so you, were you feeling I know you said you had the issues after having sex. Were you feeling unwell other than that? No, no. I had like fatigue, but mm-hmm. I'm still do. So I don't, I don't think like I was tired all the time and I'm still tired all the time. Do you but know where it came from? No, no. Mm, never figured that's it out. Why I'm, doing, I'm doing all these tests that I'm telling you I'm seeing these doctors because I'm trying to find it out. Mm-hmm. Like two things that I had and I still have is like I lose a lot of hair. Mm-hmm. my hair falls down like a lot so I'm seeing those this dermatologist and I went to the cardiologist to check like why this tiredness comes from and I'm taking like all the labs like to see the vitamins and everything because of my my infectologist told me it's like if it was related to HIV since we are undetectable your, your hair would be fine mm-hmm. and it's not mm-hmm. so I don't know I'm gonna check like what's wrong if it's the medication yeah but you never figured out who it might have come from. No. Wow, that's 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 hard. I feel like I had to put the puzzle pieces together. It helped to know. That's something crazy, not knowing where it come from. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even know for how long I've been infected. That's it's what crazy. I mean. Like you wonder, like how long have I been walking around with this? It's such a strange yeah. feeling to know that you could have been living for maybe 10 years, you know? You said your mom doesn't know. No. Wow. Is there anybody else that knows besides your husband? Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you who knows. This friend that I called and his friend who is positive as well. And then the girl, my friend, who was with me. Then I decided to tell my sister. My sister, I'm very good friends with her. But when I came back from this trip, she was going to Europe for like 40 days and she was going with my mom. So I didn't want to ruin the trip. So I waited for her to come back Mm -hmm. and then I told her and she was very supportive and she was well informed too. She, she's a journalist and she works with some doctors. So she knew maybe more than I did before. Was it hard for her? I'm sure not just to keep the secret from your mother. No, no, no. I told her I wasn't going to tell, you know, I, I didn't tell my mom. Because first of all, I think she would be like very upset, like, oh, my God, you because she was always like picking on me because I would go out with a lot of people and she would blame me for that. She would be very ashamed. And I think she couldn't keep a secret. I think she would be so bad, like feeling really bad and sad that she would have to share it with someone. Mm-hmm. And I think for her, it would be really hard not to share. Not that she would, but maybe it would be hard for her to keep, you know. Mm-hmm. So I didn't tell her. I feel I feel bad for that, but I don't don't think I should tell her. Sometimes and, it's easier not to. It really is. I, I know a lot of people that make that decision. It's really a tough one. It is because yeah. once you open the can of worms, then it's there, and then people have to worry about it, and it's there. You know, there's still people in Eric's life that it doesn't matter how clear we are on the topic; they still worry about him. Yes, exactly. So that's what I think. I think she wouldn't be fine. She would worry. And I am super fine with it. So I think it's good. And then another friend, like another gay friend, that's very a good friend of mine. I called him like right after we set up a dinner. And then I told him he was the only person, him and my sister that I called, like I have something to tell you. Like, listen, (laughs) then I told. Mm -hmm. And everybody was very supportive. Mm -hmm. I have some more friends that I would like to tell but I don't think if 
I should like give them the, this heavy secret to keep, you know? So I'm not telling <laughs> When uh, When you were um, pregnant, what were what was their advice as far as breastfeeding? I know it probably wouldn't have been possible because of the merconium and all of that, but say, let's say that didn't happen. Would they have still said no? Yeah, you know, the, the nurse that was following my, my pregnancy, she was super nice and they were having like a study going on on the SDSU that wasn't ready by the time, but it was like... Uh, they, they were like almost sure that if I wasn't detectable, it wasn't a problem if I wanted to breastfeed. But what she told me is like, it's totally up to you. If you want to breastfeed, it's your, your choice. It's your baby. It's your choice. It's your risk. Wow. And, so there was a study. Yes. Yes. And I think the study is ready and it says that it's not, yeah, it doesn't transmit anymore. But I have to check this information I'm telling you because oh, I remember they were like, they were like after that. It's from UCSD. Mm-hmm. Let me know what you know because I know when I was in Amsterdam, it was a big thing that came up uh, during a session that one of the um, sort of experts announced that you know everything's okay. You can you can even breastfeed. And there was a woman who stood up in the audience and she said, uh, "That hasn't been cleared yet. You can't say that U equals U also." correlates with breastfeeding there's been no studies and so it kind of became this very uncomfortable moment uh, during Mm -hmm. that session there was a lot of people in that room and that man subsequently I think he felt really uh, awkward about it because I think he thought he was speaking the truth but truthfully there wasn't studies done so this is what I've been wanting to know is um, if there is a study supporting this now and how great it would be to let women who are undetectable have that option yeah I'm gonna check it and I'll let you know Okay. And then so she kept it open for me. I could choose. And then I spoke to my husband and I said, like, I've, I don't want to run the risk. Like, I have no reason to run the risk. I, I, I'm like, I already work in my head that I'm gonna, not going to breastfeed and I'm not going to feel guilty about it. Like, I know I'm doing my best. <laughs> like, I already had a baby. Yeah, exactly. So That's then, already enough. And could yeah. he have even done it with the merconium? Could he have even nursed? Yes, after when, when he started like eating, because he had like the, that tube to be fed for like 10 days. Mm-hmm. And after that, we started giving him bottles. But then what I did is like, was kind of sad about it, not because of the gesture, but he was worried about like the, the, the benefits of breastfeeding. So then I called actually our neighbors. I called like a milk bank in San Jose and explain the situation because usually it's only for for preterm babies that they give like milk from the the milk bank Mm -hmm. but then I explain like I would really like to breastfeed my baby but I cannot because I'm HIV positive he's on NICU so I want him to be strong is there any chance that I can get and then they're like oh in this case if your doctor like write an order we can send you so doctor wrote an, uh, an order I send them and they, they would send me like every week um, cooler with frozen breast milk from, from the, the mm-hmm. bank. Mm-hmm. And we would feed him with bottles and that, and that. But he had the right to have that only when he was in the NICU. So we start like uh, doing like one bottle of formula and one bottle of breast milk. Mm-hmm. And then when, when he left the hospital, I, I gave him the rest of breast milk I had and then the, the formula. And he's fine. Like he's a big, very healthy baby. So <laughs> he's so cute. How old is he now? He's got a third three in January. Oh my goodness! Wow, you've got a three-year-old talking at a lot. He talks all day long, and believe me, he speaks some, some words in English. He sees on TV and repeats them. I was going to ask if he was bilingual. No, by now he speaks Portuguese and he repeats stuff from TV. But next year, he's going to a school that's an American school here in Curitiba that's called International School. Mm-hmm. And then they teach everything, all subjects, only in English. So next year, he's going to be speaking. And you and your boyfriend are now married. We are married. We, we got married like a year ago. Mm-hmm. So it was nice. The baby was big already when we got married. We <laughs> got married in only like in a small ceremony, the two of us and testimonials. And then we had like a... a lunch with family and closer friends mm-hmm. in our country house my family's country house 
Uh, it was like outdoors. It was really nice. It was beautiful. I remember your pictures. I have a question about your medication. I think you've always told me that in Brazil, everything is free, correct? Oh, yeah, that's right. Brazil has like one of the best uh, HIV uh, treatments of the world. Good to so hear. Everything, when I went to this doctor, the first doctor I went, she, she, I had to pay because I didn't have like a health insurance. But then she sent me to a hospital that specialized in HIV since the beginning of the, the epidemic. It was like a hospital where a lot of people died inside and it's kind of like it's an old house. It's a really sad space. They work with that since the very beginning. Now they don't have people there like staying there like a hospital, but they have all, all the, the tests and doctors and everything you need you go there so she sent me there uh, they they took they took my blood there they sent like to the state lab so it was free and then the doctor sent me like to this pharmacy where we get free medicine in brazil you, you cannot pay for the medicine there isn't paid medicine everybody mm -hmm. even the richest person in brazil gets free medicine if they get, have hiv so they give you a form and you go there every three months and they give you the medicine. You have you need to have like this this order from the doctor to get the medicine. So they know you are going, like you're seeing a doctor. You have to take your labs like once a year. Mm -hmm. Take your labs follow if you're undetectable. But everything is free. So this program with the free medication just pertains to HIV then. Yeah, this isn't a specific one for HIV. They have other kinds of medication there. Because mm -hmm. our our health system in Brazil. It works different than, than yours. We have like the the, the private ones that we, we pay and they're expensive. Mm -hmm. That's usually like is, everybody has it. Everybody that can pay it has it. But if you don't have it or you don't want to pay, we have the public system that works pretty well and anyone can go. Even the richest person can go. So we, we have vaccines for free. Well, they're like spread all over the, the, the city and every neighborhood has one. Mm -hmm. one like clinics. Yeah, that you can go and get vaccines. They have like doctors to see people, to see babies. It's not as good like in every situation, like for all the disease, but for some diseases, it's really, really good. So for HIV, it's really good. We have another program that takes care of babies. Pedro had like an, a milk allergy when he was little. Mm -hmm. So he had to take a formula that was very expensive. Like a regular formula can cost like, 30 reais. This one he had to take was 200, like nine cans a month. <sighs> so then I, I went to the clinic and they sent him to a ga gastro... Enterologist. <laughs> yes, this. Mm -hmm. and, and they they wrote, like, he took the, the test. I had to show the test that he was allergic to. And during a year, once a month, I'll go there and get the nine cans, like the same brand that I would buy at the grocery for 200 reais. So th this works well too, but not for, for everything, but we have the system that works fine with those subjects. So it sounds like even if you hadn't had him in San Diego, you would have had really good care in Brazil. Well, not really because of... The, because I would go like to a... Different than there, like the... the public health has its own hospitals here like there you can go like to the best hospital and the health insurance the public health insurance will pay if you don't have money right mm -hmm. here in brazil it's different like they have like the, their own hospitals so then they're not as good because they don't want to like they won't try like a vaginal delivery because c-section is faster and it's cheaper so they do things like that like mm -hmm. you know they don't give you the special care that you deserve, <laughs> that you expect. Right, but, of course. Yeah, but you're gonna have the, the assistance if you don't if you don't have any health insurance. And you are on. You take Trimac, I think, right? Yes, I do. On the beginning, I I start taking a tripla. We all took yeah. that first. Ugh, me too. Yeah, that's the first I took, but I took it for a month because I found out I have a problem with tenofovir. That's mm -hmm. one of the components. Mm -hmm. Then I changed to 
another one that was efavirenz, abacavir, and lamivudine. And it was like three different medicines that I would take it separately because they didn't have like a single pill. And that was good because for pregnancy, efavirenz is, is good. And then when I came back after having the baby, I switched to, to Trumac, which, which is Dolutogravir, Abacavir, and Lamivudina. In Brazil, we don't have the single pills. So I take the three medicines separately, mm-hmm. but it's the same thing. I even check like the percentage and everything. It's exactly mm-hmm. the same thing. And now I want to ch- change to Dovato, but I didn't go to the doctor yet. And if like, you're already I, taking all three separately, you just throw out that bottle of Abacavir, basically. <laughs> Exactly. I thought about it, but I don't want to do it by myself. I want a doctor. I know. I was the same way. I just wanted to get the approval first. But yeah, it's been, I don't know if you get the little bit of the queasy feeling after you take Triumec. I always did about an hour later and I don't have anything at all, any, nothing. I feel nothing now. It's amazing. Yeah. I feel a little bad if I don't have food before. I know I have to Mm. eat like at least like two hours before I take it or when I'm on diet or something like that. I feel really dizzy after taking it. Like I feel bad, but I don't have side effects. Like I never had like the beginning when I started with a tripla, I remember I felt like, like I was drunk like after taking it. Oh yeah. That one's very strong. It makes you feel high. It's a terrible, it's a terrible feeling. Exactly. But then after that, I never had anything, anything mm-hmm. super fine of medicine. I've never forgot taking a pill. Like sometimes in purpose, I don't take like, I don't know, but like once every six months or once a year, mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like, no, tonight I'm not going to take it. But it's always like a choice. I never forget. Oh, wow. Yeah. You have a good system. I'm a, I have my little alarm every once in a while. I'll turn my alarm off and be like, you know, looking over at the pills going, I'm going to take it, but something's distracting me. And then I don't. And that's happened, you know, it's happened a handful of times, not very many times. And as people always think, oh my gosh, are you going to end up sick and have AIDS because you missed one pill? Like, no, nothing's no, going to change. No, it's all Yeah, fine. but that's something that we, we learn at the time. I see on the, the groups sometimes ladies ask like, oh my God, I forgot to take, or I took it five minutes later. Like, <laughs> I don't mind. I usually take it before bed. That's why I don't forget. What time do you take yours? I take mine at, strangely enough, two in the afternoon. I don't know why. And sometimes I'll take it a little bit earlier just to, you know what I don't like to do? I just don't feel like swallowing water at the moment. It's like, oh, I feel like swallowing water, but it's not the pills. I don't care about the pills. Oh, I only take one pill, but I do take um, two other pills. I take um, one for allergies and I take... um, Valtrex. So I take three pills a day always, but it's not the, it's not the pills that bother me. It's just, I don't know. Sometimes I don't feel like swallowing water. <laughs> That's all it is. So, but it, yeah, it doesn't affect me. I don't think it affects my sleep or anything like that. It's been, it's this new Devado has been great. And I know a lot of, a lot of people or a lot of women on the group are trying to change it. And some people like that follow me on Instagram are trying to make that switch. Cause I, to me, it's just like, well, if we didn't need a back of why why have we had to take it all this time? Yeah, because yeah. that's the bad guy. Like, I don't like Abacabir. I hate that instructions that come with it. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> And I do think it was, well, it was. It was what was causing my side effects because I had a little bit of a headache too and definitely that queasy sort of like, I never threw up, but it, I'd get to the point where it was like, ooh, do I feel like I'm going to throw up in a little bit? And then, you know, it always passed, but it was just kind of, you know, sort of annoying, so... I think it's impressive that you feel that difference, like just taking one medicine out. I can't wait to do that. I, I am going to schedule the doctor. I didn't schedule actually because I'm seeing lots of other doctors. Yeah, it was but the I- next day. I mean, I literally st- started it and I noticed the difference immediately. And my, I just got my CD4 back and my, I'm still undetectable, still not detected. They can't find it. And my CD4 is like exactly the same. So it didn't, it didn't change anything. So I'm very happy with the with the switch. That's awesome. Oh, you and you were asking about my numbers, so let me tell you about my numbers now. Like mm-hmm. it, took me, it took me like four months to become undetectable. I started taking in July, and in November I was undetectable. What is undetectable and in Brazil? What what's the number? Less than twenty copies. Twenty. You guys are twenty, also. Okay. Yeah. But you know, when I was in San Diego, I took some some tests, and the nurse told me you're not undetectable and I was like yes I am and I was like 17 copies so their test is like zero. Oh my gosh 
Like, so right before my baby was born, I was really undetectable, but I wasn't. The whole time I was like a little bit detectable. It's funny. No, that you were undetectable. I mean, some places in the world, it's 200 and under. It depends on the lab equipment. 50 and under is really common. I think the UK is 50 and under. So, it, you know, you're not going to transmit it regardless. No. So it's fine. And my CD4, like I went like super quick. I went to 400 and then it became, uh, I, I reached 500. And after starting TrueMac, I'm on 700, 750. So yeah, that's amazing. Was, yeah, it was really good. That's amazing. I got my report back and I thought I had hit 700 also. I thought I skipped the fives and the sixes, but what I did is I read the CD3, which is a different I, I saw your post and I was like, yes, she's 700. I was like, oh, no. I was like what happened? Oh my gosh, it jumped. You know, I've really never cared about my CD4 because I feel absolutely fine. I'm never sick, so I don't put much you know, thought into it. I don't let it run my life at all. But it was like, it was really exciting to think, wow, it jumped up to 700. <laughs> of course, we don't feel that in our bodies at all. But um, it was my CD3, which is a totally different thing. So yeah, I was still in the 400 range, which is where I've been for a long time. But that's okay. Like I said, I feel but it's good. It's good. You are like in the normal. Yeah, I'm happy with mine, but I was already happy on my 400s also. Is there anything else you want to share? before we end our podcast or anything else that's significant that's happened with you and your your status I think that's all I mean you had a baby that's pretty big you got married those things are pretty significant yes it is because I think that was my biggest uh, issue when I found out was like not being able to have a baby or having a baby with HIV Mm-hmm. and well every time I look at him I say like he's the proof he's my miracle he's the proof mm-hmm. that I'm fine amazing I feel so alive. yeah and like I remember in the beginning I used to think of HIV all the time like 24 hours a day I was always thinking of HIV and that friend of mine who is HIV positive told me like I don't even think about it anymore I was like mm-hmm. how can you're crazy and now to tell the truth I barely think about it I yeah I always tell people that are newly diagnosed, this will, you'll stop thinking about it. And I really don't mind. Like, Okay. I have a question that I ask everybody. If you think back before you had HIV, what is something that you would tell your HIV negative self now that you have it? Use condom. (laughs) You said the the same thing Lee said. (laughs) Uh, yeah that's what i say like don't be crazy don't be <laughs> don't crazy. take the risk don't take the risk, yeah 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 because yeah, you just never know but, you don't and yeah of course we're always you know under certain circumstances we don't have a choice but typically we all are responsible for our own bodies and our own sexual health so you know people want to put blame on other people if they contract hiv but truly we are responsible for our own bodies that's something that we don't really think right that's how i want to raise pedro i want to tell him like if he's going to change fluids he has to to take care of himself that's something that i think they don't teach us when they don't when we were younger like or they didn't say it enough i don't know yeah, our sex education is really lacking in the schools. I don't I'm sure it's not if it's bad in the US, I'm assuming it's bad everywhere. I mean, it's just not very good. Yes, exactly. So I think it's parents responsibility and I want to do it right. You're good. I I thought I was going to be the most open parent ever about sexuality and I'll tell you, I do not want to talk about it. It is not fun to talk to your kids about sex. Oh my gosh. I thought that was going to be such a piece of cake. Mm-mm. It's, it's really hard. I, I hope you have better luck. <laughs> I'll, I'll try. I'll try. It is. It's like once they hit puberty, it's like, Ooh, I don't want to talk to you about this. Yeah. It's I, I see why they try to have it in the schools, but um, yeah, I really wanted to be a better parent about that. And ironically, I talk about sexual education all the time to people in the public. And of course I can talk to my kids about HIV HIV almost seems different because it's like it affected my, you know, your immune system. It doesn't seem like it's so concentrated and it's something directly related to the genitals. If you know what I mean, like you think of herpes and syphilis and all that. And it's just, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, you think of HIV and it's an actual virus in your body. So it's different to me. It kind of has a different feeling to it. So 
Well, I want to thank you so much for doing this. And I'm so glad we got connected. And it's just been great having you in the group. And you're always very positive and you say it like it is. I love that about you, by the way. You are thank like that. You. Yeah, you're like, you're very educated on the topic, very matter of fact, like, this is how it is. It's going to be fine. Like, you know, and I really love that you always have that that outlook. It's great for people that yeah, are like, thank, diagnosed. Thank you, Jen. And I can't thank you enough for have, for finding you for all the work you do, because I don't know how it would have been if it wasn't for you and the group. Like really, it made like a huge difference for me. Like feeling normal among these women. I'll never forget the day I saw you and I contact you, and I was like, oh my god, now I'm at home. Now, now I have people to really share it with. It was. So thank you so you're... much for your work. So welcome. It was, um, yeah, I've talked about this in uh, so many times, but just that when I put the first 15 together in the group and you were all speaking to each other, I just, I collapsed in my kitchen bawling. It was like, oh my gosh, they all have each other now. Like, this is so unreal. And here, you know, we could have easily have gone our whole lives, never knowing another woman with HIV. And here there was already this like solid group of 15 and now we're we're a strong 220 i think around there so yeah, it's amazing it is yeah. it's impressive it's really really nice. really nice so thank you so much for that and yeah. i'm glad i participated on this podcast because it's the first thing i talk like publicly about it i hope you can get it to play in your because i know you were having trouble with the audio um, i'm not sure what's going on because my podcast should be available in brazil but when you get it up and playing, play it in your car. You'll you'll trip out. It's pretty neat to hear yourself talking in your car. You're, it's like you're on the radio. It's fun. Okay. <laughs> Definitely okay, do, do that. that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have so a good much. evening, Chris. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Another big thank you to Chris for taking the time to share her story. I know with each story told, it helps others who are dealing with the virus or just have fears of the virus, or are simply uneducated about HIV. So for each story, I'd like to think that stigma is taking a backseat and letting love, normalcy, and good health prevail. If you'd like to be notified of any of my upcoming podcasts, be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to help this girl out, then please rate, review, and share my show. Today's show was brought to you by Benny Olive Sky, Toby Finn Basil, and baby kitty and Sawyer again if you're out there we love you please come home if something happened to you rest in peace we love you so much bye guys <laughs>